This is The One Podcast. My baby pulling in on the driveway. She's looking all fresh because it's Friday. Lady on the street, drinks a lip can eat. So in love, we can synchronize a heartbeat. Laced in all black everything. We could go to Monaco or Beijing. She my little queen, treat a mean king. The king was precious thing to get you out the friend zone. Just a thought has got my mind blown. I got to get you out. So welcome to uh, This Is The One podcast. I'm Andy Murphy. I'm Gavin Jones. How are you doing? I'm very well, Gavin. How are you? Uh, our, uh, we, we've changed this, the start of the thing because we're talking to a very special guest, aren't we? And we thought we'd use his music as the intro music. And how cool is that music? Oh, what? It's baby mu- making music. I'm sure he'll tell us that in a minute. <laughs> baby making music. Um, yeah, welcome. This Is The One podcast, uh, episode four. I think so, yeah. Something Episode like four, yeah. Um, it's all going well. And if you're listening, thanks very much for listening. If you've got any friends who you think should be listening, and make sure you bully them into listening to it because it needs to be listened to. <laughs> Don't be like that. <laughs> so here we are. We're in central Manchester uh, this morning recording from a brand new bar concept called 186, which is on Deansgate. And it's 186 Deansgate? Deansgate. <gasps> no way. It's like it was meant to be. I don't even the dad jokes have started already. Oh. <laughs> We've got a special guest with us uh, today, ladies and gentlemen. He's a millionaire playboy philanthropist. <laughs> Easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get it right in the car, could I? Um, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dean Mack. Yes, Dean, lad. Thank you, welcome. And uh, thanks for having me, gents. I'm, well, thanks for taking the time because you are just super busy at the minute with this brand new bar concept. Your singing career, all all sorts. Yeah, we are. We're, we're super busy, which is uh, which is always a good thing. But um, how, what better way to spend your Thursday morning with you two? Oh. And here we are. It's a tiny bit noisy because we're in your brand new bar. There's there's uh, guys to my left hand side cutting hair. There's guys painting walls. There's drills. There's hammers. It's, it's all happening, isn't it? It is. When you asked me about doing it, I thought we could go somewhere really secluded or we could actually get in the hustle and bustle of it. And, I think so. And have it as part of the podcast, which I actually quite like. No, no you're happy about it, Anne, aren't you? you I, I got here and I was a bit like, oh, this is not going to work. And then now that we've set up and it's, yeah, no, it's cool. It just feels yeah, it just feels right. And I love the yeah. place. I've just noticed every time I come, I've only been here three times, but the three times I've come here, I noticed... have only been open four days and he's been here three times already. Yeah, well, I'm that type of guy. Uh, every time I come, I notice something different. I've just noticed now as we're doing the podcast is the uh, graffiti actually yeah. says... 186. 186. Never noticed that. What else would it say? Well, exactly what else would it say. <laughs> and it's those little details which makes this place so much special yeah. and different from everywhere else, I think. Yeah, well, it's not just a pop-up concept. And um, we've been going two and a half years now, so uh, it's, been a, it's been a long, long journey. And I think when you, when you open your own place for the first time and you've got these three of us that were involved from the, from the get-go... You, you really sit and, and figure out what, what are your favorite parts are about the catering industry, what's your favorite part about going out and having a drink, about going out and, and having food, but also <clears throat> what you've really, really got to think about, and this is, sounds so obvious, is 
what does the customer actually want? Yeah. And there's so many bars that get budget or get funding and open something because they think it's cool. Mm. And yes. that's fine, but what actually is cool and what's actually desirable and what what creates content for the everyday human, what do people actually want to drink, where do people want to sit, how do they want to sit, what what material do they want to sit on? And if you think about it from that point of view, the whole way through the process, hopefully the end product has a user in it that is it's user friendly. Customer led. Exactly. Design which is uh, is very current, I think. I, I like the it? way you've you've mentioned that you thought about how customers want to sit down, where they want to sit down, what they want to sit on. And that has been thought about because there's different levels there. You've got kind of leather seating, you've got the marble bit where we're sat, there's lower seating, it's it's gorgeous. Well, listen, it. we're going to get to all this. I want to discuss the bar in utter detail mm-hmm. when we get to it. But uh, first of all, I want to talk about you. Oh. Okay. Because you, I mean, we met and we met through Andy, funnily enough, actually. I met Dean, first of all, that neighbourhood. He was singing yeah. with... And uh, you text me and yeah. went, there's a really uh, amazing singer. Average singer singing in here. <clears throat> no. So it's all this down to me? Is, it, is it's all down to right, you, well, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's how we met. Um, and you're an interesting guy because you've done some interesting stuff in your career. So, can we go back to how it started? You know, you, you, I know you as a singer now. You own a bar, but you know, did you always want to be a singer? I know you did some. You, you were a dancer, professional dancer at some stage. You know, where, mm. where did that start? Yeah. Um, well, without boring the, the entire nation with my life story, um, <laughs> just give us the executive summary. Yeah, yeah. Um, it started when I was like four years old. Literally started from a kid, and I was just obsessed with Michael Jackson and the whole show and the whole moonwalk and the whole singing and the whole microphone stand. And I just it was like my entire life from probably four till about eight. Um, I just fell in love with performing and, and being that kid that went in every talent show and went in every you know little showcase. And if there's a showcase going on, then you know that was I was in it. I, I played a lot of sport as a kid because I, I have really, really, really supportive parents. Like they are just they're awesome. My little rocks. Yeah, they're awesome. Um, and they always just made sure that as a kid I was thrown into everything to ma- to sort of find my own path. You know, I did karate for six months. I did swimming and basketball and this and that. And it was always back to dance. It was always back to performing and singing and that sort of thing. Um, so then cut sort of, well, cut to 16 when I was in coming up to the end of high school and I was doing the school shows, Danny Zuko in, um, in the school play. When, when I got the role of Danny in the, in when I was year 11, it was like, right, Dean, you need to sing. And I was like... 15, 16 at the time, and I'd never really had singing lessons, it was always in the shower. Um, and then I had singing lessons from a gentleman called Brian Walters, who has stuck with me for 12 years, well, 15 years now. Um, such a great guy, who I just had lessons with every week while I was at school, and then when I went into college, I was having lessons. And then I was really fortunate into getting into Lipper, which is a performing arts school in Liverpool. I didn't know you went to Lipper. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah, so I, I went and did the dance performing arts course there. Yeah. Um, which for me was a was a real milestone because I'd never really done any professional um, I'd never really done any traditional dance training it was always commercial hip hop street dance so then when I went to these auditions for you know Birdang and sorry Erdang and Bird and all these like super traditional dance colleges you know I'd never stepped in in a, in a ballet class in my entire life so they kind of realised that this kid's got some potential and he's got flair and he's got performance and he can, you know, dance in time. So they get, you know, I, I was very, very fortunate. There was 3,000 applicants and only 30 of us got into Lipper. So, right. wow. yeah, it was fantastic. So I got into Lipper, did a year there, 
And to be honest, it was it was an amazing experience, and Lipper is an amazing university, but it wasn't for me. And there was always this itch that I wasn't scratching. And at 19 years old, I, 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 didn't, I couldn't figure that out in my head. I wasn't like, there's something not right. There's something not going on here that I want it to go on. I'm not, okay. I don't feel like I'm fulfilling my dream or my, I'm not itching my scratch, basically. So anyway, I ended up moving to Paris for the summer in between oh, of course you do first and second it's a horrible year. life you've had isn't it? <laughs> no, yeah <laughs> supportive parents <laughs> should we just say that again yeah. hi guys um, hi mum and dad um, moved to Paris for the summer to work at Disneyland right anyway it, while I was over there I had a bit of a light bulb moment that you know actually going to university and doing the whole traditional dance thing is not just just not what I want to do it I'm, I feel like yeah it's good it's a good support for you know a future in dance and singing but it's just not what I want to do so two months into my summer I was like mum and dad I don't want to do this anymore I, I want to chase my own dream however that is it might not be the traditional route of getting a degree and getting an agent and whatever but I just want to do me because I've got so much energy and passion like just let me spread my wings kind of thing yeah was the worst phone call of my entire oh, life. God, can imagine, yeah. Within 24 hours, they were over. We were sat in a bench in Disneyland, crying our eyes out, saying, "You know, you've been given this amazing opportunity, and now you're sat in a bench yeah. in Disneyland. Now you're not gonna, you know, you're gonna give it all Does up." Does that just sum your life up, or <laughs> what? <laughs> Mickey Mouse either side of him and stuff. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so I, I ended up staying for another year at Disney because it was great work. It was. A great experience. I get to sp- you know spoke a little bit of French, which I don't remember any of. Um, I fell in love for the first time. Oh, I know. You got the music. <laughs> <laughs> I have got. I've always got the music ready for for a look for a love story. Yeah. <laughs> so there was Dean with Mickey Mouse in Paris. He went to Paris. Sorry, to find love. <laughs> Wow. Anyway. What a great story. So wow. how, long, joke. how long Take were you two. there for in Disney for? Two, um, two and a half years, did you say? So I was there, no, I was there just just under a year. Yep. Um, came back and kind of was like, do you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this myself. So I ended up moving to America. I was like, do you know what? I'm going to save up. I'm going to teach a load of dance for like six months. I'm going to save up a load of money. And I'm just going to move to um, Los Angeles and I'm going to take all the classes that I want to take and go to all the lectures I want to take instead of going to Being school. on a predetermined course. Exactly. What, what, how old were you when this happened? I was 20 at the wow. time. Wow. Yeah. It's quite an adventure for a, a young man at that age. <coughs> yeah, it was, and it was quite ballsy, if I, if I do mm. say so myself. And It was difficult for mum and dad to get their head round. It was like, what, so you're just going to save up a couple of grand and move to LA and just find an Airbnb and just live in the centre of Los Angeles and go and take dance classes every day? I was like... Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And is that how it worked? Is that how it panned out? You just did literally, that? Yeah, literally six months later, I packed a suitcase. I had a friend out there who I'd met in Paris because it was an American that came over to Paris. So I met him, went and stayed with him, stayed in his house for two and a half months and just took dance classes every single day. That's slimy. That's unbelievable. I mean, that just proves something that I know about you, that you're an old head on young shoulders. Yeah. Very, very much so. Very yeah. mature. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, uh, it, the, the thing, the fact that I was 20, I wasn't 21. I couldn't go out and drink in America. I just, we had this. We, we, I bet we, you did though. No comment. <laughs> we had an amazing opportunity where my friend lived in this huge house with a swimming pool. It was like an eight bedroomed house. With that swimming helps. Pool in Van Nuys. He had a car. He was older. He had loads of friends. So every day he'd just bring friends back and we'd all have pool parties and, 
but it was it it was such a good experience at 19 that dragged me into maturity right you know like but the fact that you had that that the balls to have those thoughts and and carry it through yeah it shows that you were mature enough anyway either that or incredibly naive yeah. can you imagine Do you know a, what I mean? a 20 yeah. year old in this day and age in, yeah. in 2019 dude it just wouldn't happen yeah. it, it, it wouldn't have the balls to do it yeah i'd just go to la on instagram instead yeah, yeah. And watch pictures. yeah. i think for me it was it was such an amazing opportunity when i got out there i remember being sat at the bus stop like one night coming home and there was a gunshot like it felt like behind my back and i was like holy hell i'm in the center of los angeles yeah, you know was in this area called van nuys which is like a mexican city basically of Get that in Levenshume every night, anyway. Yeah. It's no difference. <laughs> Levenshume 90210. Oh my God. Smashing it. So yeah, went to America, came back, and then I set up my own company, um, basically choreographing for record labels, right. for girl bands, and basically working on performances, the performance technique for girl bands. So I'd meet loads of people with an amazing voice, but couldn't had no stage presence so I then started working for these just small record labels but basically they were a girl band and they wanted a bit of dance they wanted me to help them with the microphone stand they wanted to help them with facial expressions and all that sort of stuff and it took off I did a couple of flash mobs I did a couple of you know, girl bands doing little tours here and there anyway this one time they were th- this guy was like this this young kid wasn't getting it at all in one of these lessons and I said um can we, let me show you, in the lesson I was like, right, you're not getting this, so let me show you. Anyway, stuck on a Justin Timberlake track, got the microphone stand, was singing and doing what I love, what was, I was itching my scratch, and this record producer walked in and went, at the end of the session, he was like, what are you doing? Why are you teaching everyone else when you should be doing it yourself? Like, chase your dream, and I was like, I know, I know, but, you know, I'm making, this is more of a realistic career and Such a British uh, attitude. Have we had this with Chris last yeah. time? The Brits are very much like, yeah, you've got that dream, but it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. So just do something safe instead. Yeah, Whereas yeah, the yeah. Americans are like, well, follow your dream, just do it. And just Chris was talking yeah. about this. Yeah. If, yeah, it, exactly. if, it if it ain't broken, all that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, you, that, so at that point, you you start thinking, I was just well, like, do you know what? Yeah, let's do not? it. Yeah. So I carried on working for a little bit, but it was, um, I just. A couple of friends from university were great producers. Fraser Churchill and Chris Hewitt are two, uh, two of my best friends. They, um, they got in the studio with me and like taught me the basics of songwriting. And we wrote these these five songs together, which is the Friends Own 291190 album. Um, thank you. And we just we just got in a room and thrashed this out. And they were like, if you're gonna do, if you are gonna do this and you're gonna do it properly, then let's get you an EP together. Let's get it out there. Yeah. Let's get a music video done, and and then let's put it out into market and see how yeah. it, how you get on. Yeah. And I was so again so naive at such a young age. I was like, oh my god, I'm in London. I'm in this studio where Drake was two days ago. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make this album, it's gonna to go to number one, I'm gonna get a record deal, I'm gonna get a million quid in the bank, I'm gonna have seven girlfriends, it's gonna be sick. Seven, well. Yeah, specifically one Just, day, that, day just for week. one day. Yeah, <laughs> for every day. A different week. seven the next day. <laughs> and we did this album, we did this little release, and it took me three months to release it, and I had to send it off to all these different people to get all the codes for all the PRS and all this sort of stuff. Anyway, it released and I had like a thousand views and it just went nowhere. Okay. Which is great because that wasn't great. What was great was it was a really good learning curve for me. Okay. It brought me right back down to reality. It was like, 
yeah, I was in this amazing studio and I written these amazing songs and my mum loved them, but that was it. It's so hard. It's we love them so as well, hard. actually. Amazing. Really I mean, the two songs we played at the opening of the show are just fantastic. It's, su- it's such a hard game to get yeah. into. It, it really is. It, it's all about someone believing in you. And you can even get signed, but you've been signed to hold you back because they've got yeah. someone else who's similar to you. They want, they believe in more. It's just a mad, it's just a mad business. It's a mad, mad world. And if you don't, if you if you ain't ready for it, you you just won't mm. get it. One of my friends, Fraser Churchill, who who helped me write the album, he's now soaring through life. They've moved him out to America. He's got this amazing writers publishing deal. He's writing with the best artists in the world. But he he started when he was three years old, like writing and and singing music. He's written all his crap songs. Yeah, if you get me. Yeah, like yeah, Ed yeah. Sheeran. I watched a documentary about Ed Sheeran, and he was like, just write. If it, even if it's a crap song, write. Get it out of you then move on to the next one and yeah. just keep writing. And all songwriters say that, you know, because yeah, you'll write a raft of dross yeah. and then all of a sudden things will start to click and you, you know, mm. you just keep doing it. It's like anything, you get better at it, don't you? Yeah. But the, the, you, what you've, you've confirmed for me, and, and this is how I saw it, was I'd never heard of you until Andy said, oh, this guy's singing in Neighbourhood and he's amazing. And then you were everywhere. You were playing in every venue in Manchester. (laughs) And is that kind of how it happened? Because that's how it looked like from the outside. (coughs) It just feel like it almost exploded overnight. And you were were, were everywhere. I think think for me, what happened was that realisation of the fact that when I actually sat down one night and thought, I want to be an artist, I want to be a, you know, I want to be a recording artist. What I actually love is performing and entertaining and getting a crowd going and, and manipulating a crowd and being on stage and getting sway. You don't do that in a record studio. No. You don't do that sat at home with your guitar writing songs. And for me, writing songs and writing lyrics to a song wasn't my passion. My passion is getting on stage and getting a wireless mic and getting a band going. Yeah. And and at that moment it was like, maybe the original music is not for me. Maybe it's the performance and how I can itch that scratch again that's interesting makes sense that's actually sense. really interesting um, uh, the, the opening night here last Thursday when the curtains opened and you were in the middle the, the, the look on your face <laughs> you're just like yes this is what I want to do I'm happy 100%. doing this and you were phenomenal I, mean, I don't want to be blowing smoke but <laughs> you, were, you. You, you know how to work a crowd you know how to work a stage and the stance and the little spin you do and it's amazing mate thank you mate I appreciate that and you can see you really do enjoy yeah, it yeah it's my it's itch that I scratch yeah. I, that is, that's you know that's the pinnacle of everything for me mm. So when, it, when, when I'd re- that realization happened, it was like, right, it, well, if I need to perform, let's get some gigs, let's get some gigs under my belt. And I, start, I was actually working at Revolution on Dean's Get Locks at the time, just doing some, I was looking after all their corporate network and I was hosting and you know, being the front face of the business kind of thing. And I was like, listen, can I stick a guitarist in, on a Friday night and sing in the corner? They were like, yeah, of course you can. You want to just do it in your in your time, and it's yeah. part of another act. Yeah, fine. Anyway, did that for about six months, and then a neighborhood was like, "Listen, we really like your stuff. We want you to come and be exclusive here and, and gig Thursdays, Sundays, some Saturdays, and you know, pretty much full contract." And I was like, "This is exactly what I need." Mm. And I started doing it to the point where I was promoting my gigs more than I was promoting the job that I was in and mm. promoting the bar that I was working for. So Revolution were lovely to me and said, "Listen, this is your dream. Just go and do it. Just." If it cool. doesn't work out, come back to us. But if it does, just go and do it. And that was it. I got Neighbourhood and then I got Rosso and then I got Schloss and then it just blew up. But, yeah. but because I've always been, because I've always been really driven as a kid and been pushed by my parents as a kid, when it started, I was like, 
this now needs to be a product. This Dean Mac is a product and I need to get it on social media. I need to get out there. I need to get flying. I need to t- like sell the product to the Manchester people. And it sounds really cheesy, this next bit. And it does sound, and every time I say it, people laugh. But I always try to think of myself like a bottle of shampoo. If it's the right bottle with the right liquid and the right label on the right shelf, it'll sell. Wow. So you, you're bringing me around to something that I wanted to ask you about, and we I've asked you, and you're okay. So we want to talk about The Voice. So yeah. you went on The Voice. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you see that experience for you? I mean, we spoke before, because yeah, obviously I've been on X Factor, yeah, yeah. and I'm, I, I was on The Voice as the stand-in singer. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did you, you... Obviously, it was the right move. I thought it was the right move for you to do it. Yeah, yeah. And why else wouldn't you do it, doing what you're doing? Yeah. Um, well, how did you see, when, when it came out, how did you how did you view it well the, the, it was difficult for me I, the, actually the year bef- they actually t- asked me to do it the year before um, before the year that I did it they asked me to come on so I got a phone call hi listen we're from The Voice we've seen you do some gigs we really like your style and what you do would you come in and audition for The Voice and at, at the time I'd probably been gigging about two and a half three years and I was like no nah, I'm not ready yet to put myself in front of the entire nation and have that video online forever. I'm just not ready for that yet. So well, I the, the like, fact they came to you is, is quite a big thing anyway, isn't it? Well, yeah, exactly. And it had all been because of the fact that I'd been out there and my social media had grown and I'd got you know quite a few followers on Instagram because of the couple of gigs that mm. I'd done and all that sort of stuff. And it was a, another quite humbling experience. It was like, nope, I'm, I'm not going to chase that free ticket of stardom because I'm not ready yet. And then last year when they asked me, I kind of just sat, I remember pulled up to my mum and dad's in the car and they phoned me and they were like, Dean, it's, it's blah, blah, blah from The Voice again. You know, kind of like, are you ready this year? And I just kind of looked out the window and I was like, you know, sod it. Let's just do it. And I got inside and spoke to my mum and dad. And my mum and dad are very protective of me. So they were like, oh, you know, there's a lot of risk. And if it does go wrong, you know, you could be ridiculed. You can either do really well and the nation love you or yep. you could be ridiculed. Yep. And it was kind of just like, I'm just going to do it. Like, I don't care. Let's just do it. Let's just like take a big risk and hope for a big reward mm. so it was a mental experience like mental we i was down london down in london every week for like four months i was they were speaking to me every day about rehearsing i was in the studio going through different songs that they wanted me to do they would my, you know filming with my parents filming in my studio filming in my house for, you yeah. wouldn't believe that, would you? No. Was like, all was all this happening as you're doing the bar so as well? This no, is no. this is no. one of the things about these shows at X Factor and, and and the Voice. There's a lot of stuff that's predetermined. Of course it is, yeah. Um, and they obviously saw something in you, and they wanted you to be on that show because they thought it would be a benefit to their show. benefit yeah. to them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So they they invest time. It's not just about oh, I sent a form off and I did the audition. No, there's other people who are on there who've been worked with before. Mm. Um, million, million, there's, it's one million percent you know we they from what I heard through the great band there was a hundred singers in the actual audition but only 20 of us got like back of backstage filming like they came to my house for the day they took me around to my local gigs for the day they you know filmed my mum and dad interviewing and only 20 of us got that experience compared to the 80 well why did you choose us what was it about us that you chose that and then all that happened. And at the same time, this was my first experience of TV and first experience of you know, what it was like to do this sort of thing. And then I got on stage and didn't get a turn. It was like- Brutal, that. I watched it last night, it's brutal. 
Yeah. It was <laughs> I don't know how it felt for you, but to watch it, I mean, I don't watch The Voice that often, and I just assumed once you'd finished, they all turned around and gave their reaction, but they just don't No, they, they, they changed it. So um, I did The Voice for five years before, uh, I know you two know, but for anyone listening, I used to go in and um, sing for the judges as a rehearsal and that do mock auditions before the contestants come in. And the first three years, when it was on BBC, um, it, they used to turn around and they'd give you feedback, which mm. was nice. Mm. When it went to ITV, the first year you did it, or the mm. second year you did it, I remember going into the rehearsals and they went, right, they're not going to talk to you after they, you sing. So this time you go and do your audition, you go out and do an audition as if you were a contestant. This time, they're not going to turn around, which is quite often they said that. They're not going to turn around, we're going to run that scenario. But you just walk off the stage. And I remember, because I'd done it before and they'd spoke to me and it was quite nice, I remember singing, no one turning around and then having to walk off the stage and thinking, that's brutal, absolutely brutal. So when you walk off stage, even after they've stopped recording the show, do you not get any feedback from anybody, from the judges or...? Yeah, so... It, it, like for the for the day before and the day of my audition, you know, you're in there, you're doing interviews, you're yep. meeting with producers, you're going through your song, you have a vocal coach the whole time um, who literally warms you up, cools you down, goes through your song, goes through notes, like literally is with you all day and for the two days. So you you know you you're getting ready for this amazing audition. I kind of you know without them saying it, I kind of been set up that. You know, you're gonna have rehearsals of chair turns and you, you know, thought you moved through before you'd done the audition it was, it almost. Was four months prep yeah. for a ninety. You don't do auditions. it seems odd. Strange, yeah. But then but then, you know, when you watch it and you you, you watch that V T before you go on and sing, yeah. when you saw it back, you must have been mortified. Because here's something I'm gonna tell you. Oh. All the things you said in that V T you've said to me before, and I know that's you mm-hmm. tongue in cheek yeah. banter. Yeah. But the way they set it up, it yeah. was like this guy loves himself. Yeah. And I thought that was really, really unfair. And you must have thought that as well. You're like, oh, they've set me up there. That's, that's the way it came across. One million, that that 70-second uh, clip of, of interviewing me was a 12-hour day. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine. And the director of the VT was such a nice bloke. but You felt comfortable. I felt comfortable. Yeah. And, you know, for instance, people were saying, you know he was asking me about what I do with my life, and I was like, you know what? I get to sing every day. I get to live in an amazing apartment in a penthouse because of the work that I do singing, which is what I love. I'm living the dream. I'm living my own dream out. My dream is to be a full-time musician and singer and performer, and I'm doing that. I'm living the dream. When actually on the VT, it came across like, I'm sick. I live my dream. Yep. You want to be my dream, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you wish you were living my and dream. And I like know me. that's not you. It's not you, no. No, no it's, it's not, not me. But the, the stuff you've you said, I've heard you say to me, yeah. but it's banter between me and you. It's like, hey, you know, I'm yeah, the boy. You know, but, but it's, it's also it's in like, context with something else. It's in else. context, but yeah. you take it out of context, and you play it back to back the way they did, and they cut yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was the, the heartbreaking thing for me, because when you got on stage, you sang better than some of the people who got turns. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a completely. That's the thing I struggled with. We, the we the other people were just like banging, not, not average, but your performance was amazing. There was certainly it was two worthy. people through, went through that, that it, it night. It was worthy of a turn. It was well worthy of a were turn. Were they told not to turn to make it more interesting TV or, you know, it, it's, it's... Who knows what, what went on? Exactly. I think for me, though, you know, aside of what, what was said, aside of not turning, aside of the way it made me out in the VT... I spent four months climbing this unbelievable hill to reach this 
pinnacle point of this hill and I was going to be, you know, the nation's next Justin Timberlake, whatever, bull, whatever. <laughs> I reached the top of the mountain and I fell off hard. I tumbled to the bottom and it was the most humbling experience I've ever had in my life. So actually the second it got, the second it got aired in January and I watched it with all my friends and all my family and I was like, do you know what? This is not an easy game. And mm -hmm. for my career, doing doing revs and then seeing a neighborhood and then gigging every night for two, three, four years, mm -hmm. my career was just was just on the rise, on the rise, on the rise, on the rise. I was getting loved by everyone. I was getting bookings left, right and center. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, I'm gonna do the voice. Oh my God, I'm gonna get through. Oh my God, no you're not. Boom, straight out. And when you come off stage, you come off, this, literally off the podium, there's a, there's a um, producer there goes, how did you feel? Yeah, you know, I did everything I could. I was, you know, still like in absolute shock of what's yep. just happened. Um, I felt like I was as prepared enough as I possibly could have been. Okay, well, best of luck. See you later. No way. Cur this little black curtain opens and you straight out. X Factor was exactly the same. Yeah. I came off stage, did an interview, and then there's your suitcase. See you later. Yeah, it is it. brutal. I'll, I'll the within, door. within, I say within eight minutes, I was yeah. literally on the street. No, it's it's, it's the same. Of coming off stage, it's the same, man. All that work the, the, the TV production put in, and they just you don't need you anymore. They Done. don't. You're literally a commodity, yeah. aren't you? That's yeah, frightening. Yeah. And you That's don't need you anymore. Seriously. So we've dealt with. I'm glad we've spoke about that, and I'm, thank you for talking about no, of it. Of course, it was just the. the, the the, the best thing I, I would say that came out of it was it made me realise the reality of this game and it made me realise that you've just got to keep going and keep working hard and, and, and haven't you so we're sat haven't oh, you yeah. just we're sat in yeah. your bar haven't you just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean how old are you 29 you sat on your just birthday the other day wasn't it Friday. happy birthday happy birthday um, so you've you've had that fall and mm. how, how much longer a year later Is it? when did it go out last year it went out in January, so... January, so yeah. this year. So we're now talking to you 12 months later and you're sat in your own bar. You co-own it, obviously, mm -hmm. but this yeah, is yeah. your bar. Amazing. Talk about <laughs> what you a can't journey. keep a good man down. <laughs> yeah. um, so he came down the mountain and now he's back at the top of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. And different mountain. Let's talk about the bar. So I want to get right into the initial... Where was that first chat where someone went, we should open a bar, you know? Yeah, it, it was mental and... I can, you know, I can only thank my two business partners, Alan Croshaw and Scott Patel, for, you know, getting me involved from the get-go. Um, there are a million and one people that, you know, have been involved in this process. Um, but it basically, it was funny. It actually started. the The actual initial chat was in November, which was just after I'd filmed The Voice and not got through. So, but it was before it got aired. So it was kind of in this weird where I'd kind of forgotten about it, but I knew it was coming and. Um, basically there's a company called Escapade who are a bar consultancy firm and mm -hmm. I've done a lot of gigs for them on events and whatever around the country um, and Alan and Scott had been working on this process of uh, this project for about 18 months before I got involved you know they would figured out that they wanted to do this barbershop with a bar underneath and maybe a speakeasy vibe and let's do it in Manchester City Centre um, and then they, they spent some time maybe looking for different venues and looking for different stockists and different initial ideas for this concept. And then they were sat down with Escapade, who were their consultants at the time, and they said, you know, maybe we need something else. We don't, we don't just need it to be a barbershop with a bar. Let's, let's make it a, you know, what? And Frankie from Escapade was like, you need to make it a live music venue. What? It's the most sought after thing in the, in the catering industry now is, is live music with, mm. with a cocktail or with food or make it a live music venue. And they were like, well, do you know anyone who, who does live music? And Frankie was like, 
let me make a phone call. <laughs> made a phone call and I was, I was at the Christmas markets gigging no at the way. exact time that they were out in a different bar. And he said, what are you up to now? He said, right, well, if you're gigging, I'm gonna bring these two fellas down, but they wanna open a bar in Manchester. Just be ready, like, bring it. When they get there, bring it. And at this point, they just want you to run music. Well, I didn't even know anything at that time. Yeah. Just this new bar, these two lads. And I've been sold this dream a million times. Oh, I'm opening a new bar, mate. I'm a, I want live music, mate. You'd be sick for it. And I've got 20 quid. Do you want to do it? You know, like, awesome. Yeah, yeah, I've got loads of exposure tokens, you know, all that. Um, so, be a good showcase. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So these lads turned up and it was, it was so fortunate that it was going, it was packed. Everyone was singing along. It was like, it was just going mental in this Christmas markets. Anyway, I walked over to them and obviously I'm really good friends with Frankie outside of business. So I was giving him a hug and he was like, These are, this is Alan Scott and they want to do this thing. And, you know, they both chat to me like, listen, we want to do this live music. Do you, think you, do you think you can do it? And I was like, I can definitely put live music in a venue. Mm. Like I do it for a living, um, but let's have a chat about it. So they brought me down to this empty space that we're now sat in that's now a 186. And we, we, we kind, of, kind of looked around and I was like, you want to, this is like, is this it? They're like, we've not signed a lease yet, but this is going to be it. And we are literally in the center of Ondine's Gate, in the center of Manchester. With couldn't be any more perfectly positioned, could it? Great location, yeah. Yeah, you couldn't ask for a better venue. And they kind of said, you know, we'll have a barbershop up top and then we'll have this live music venue and where do you think we should put the stage? And I was like, lads, it, if, if you're gonna do this, I want in. Like, I want in, in. You've not signed the leash yet. You've not, you've not started the process of designing it. You've not got a name yet. You're right in the first element. And, if you want me to do this, I've got enough experience now in the Manchester City Centre, in the catering industry, and in the showmanship game, I can bring a lot to this, this table. Like, and if you want me, you either have all of me or you don't have any wow. of me at all. But it was so lovely that these guys, you know, Scott's a professional barber, he's been a barber for 12 years, he's got his own shop in Horwich, he's, he's, he's done his stint of his 10,000 hours. He's done his 10,000 hours, he's a genius in his game. Alan Croshaw is, an absolute genius in about 700 speak of the devil yeah, it's, like, it's, it's almost like he, he knew we were talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> alan croshaw is a you know a businessman he's 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 just an phenomenally experienced and knowledgeable man he's been through the ups and downs he's got you know seven different businesses he's he, he, he consults for different people he's an exec director on a million different one other companies he's just a great guy to learn from and and you know, he's just a great mentor. So I kind of sat in this room with these two guys who, you know, I, I'm not a barber. And so I didn't want to have to then start from scratch to create this barbershop. It was Scott who wanted to do the barbershop. Alan wanted to do the, you know, get us going and get the business right and get the lease right and and, and build the, the business as it is. We had Escapade doing all of our consultancy work and I was going to do all the music and build the stage. And they said, you know, look, that we th- let's, let's, let, let's be, let, start again that's the stage area like yeah. go and build a stage go and build a sound system go and build a rotor of musicians and for the first like three four months i was like this is just not you want to you want to give me equal shareholder make me an equal shareholder of this business in return for my exclusivity and for all of my knowledge like this is dream come true this Amazing. is this is this is bull like this is not real <laughs> you know like every night I was going home pinching myself thinking this just can't be real and that was in November and in, Ju- in December and then now 12 months later we they're open to the public I think I think what, what I, I gleaned from you in chats because you brought me here when it was a shell mm. and you, but the, 
in your head it was open. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You, 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 Andy, Plast Andy walked around. No, no, it was nothing. There was nothing here. It was just concrete and an empty space. But in Dean's mind, it was so vivid in his mind too. He's going, yes, so we're going to have the DJ booth there and we're going to have a thing around there and this floor's going to be all like slate. He, he, had, a vision. he had a vision. And, and he said, we're going to knock that wall down. It, 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 the whole thing was so vivid in your yeah. head. You had a CAD yeah, walkthrough yeah. in your head. Yeah, blueprints in my head. Yeah, so you'd obviously, for me, you'd thought, you'd sat down long and hard and thought, if I open the perfect place, what, would, what little things that I've seen in every venue? Yeah. And I think that's what you've got. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's awesome. It, it is. It, it, the, the great thing about it is it's been a bespoke, we are a bespoke venue. We're not a Weatherspoons, we're not a Nando's, we're not a chain of five pubs that we've had to open with a, already. But, you know, we, 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 we've sat on the floor in here and thought, what works? We've had the best consultancy. You know, people say they open a bar by themselves, they don't. They do, but it's closed in six months. The, the, the amount of work and knowledge that we've gained from interior designers, consultants, stockists, you know, people in their trade who it's are... The, it's the details. It's the details. Down to the glassware, down to the PA, as you said. It's, it's everything. It's everything. It's, you know, for instance, coffee. You know, you can go out and buy a coffee machine all day. Mm. Or you can go to someone who's the, the top-notch coffee connoisseurs and all press who do our um, coffee, shout out to Ryan and Tom. They, they are the best in the game. Yep. And they came down and said, you need A, B, C, D and E. Or you can have A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. <laughs> Take your pick. And it was like, fine, we'll go for the G and F. And but that, yeah. doesn't that show he's talking about coffee machines? He's brought in it's just every, initially small just details. Music, but you've been involved in every. Everything. I mean, I remember you telling me that you, you, you'd gone to look at tiles. Yeah. And I was like, why are you looking at tiles? But are these been, the tiles on wanted, the floor? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wanted to be that involved, didn't you? Oh, well, well, the thing is, I got involved as an equal shareholder from the beginning. And it then made me realize that my entire reputation, my entire life, my entire career and everything is now in involved in this bar. Mm, so yeah. if it takes off, it's an addition to my career and it's gonna make me go forward. Or if it flops, I ain't getting a gig elsewhere. <laughs> you know, like, oh, you're trying to open that mm. live music. No, you're I still- I'll still, still get a gig, yeah, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, you're the, one, the guy that tried to open that bar and it flopped after two weeks or whatever. So we, we we took it right under our, our skin and we were like, right, let's make this the coolest place in Manchester. What works in every bar in Manchester? What doesn't work in every yep. bar in Manchester? What works in every bar in London? What doesn't work in every bar in London? So if you, if I'm, I've ne assume I've never been here, mm -hmm. why would I come here? 186 is a barbershop with a secret live music cocktail club underneath it. Cool. We are offering date night, we're offering live music, we're offering somewhere where you can bring clients, friends, family, mums and dads, your 21 year old date, your, you know, your best mate on a night out with the lads. But the biggest thing about 186, which, is, which we'll, we'll, we'll go into in another topic in a minute briefly, because it bores the hell out of me, but is <laughs> what we're trying to do is we're, we've, we've given the Manchester public content. Mm. Everyone nowadays lives on the phone. Every, now, every single person in the world constantly thinks about what they're gonna look like in their next Instagram picture. What they can put behind them, what they can put on, what they can do in that picture to make them look cool, to get the most likes. Yep. It's sad, but unfortunately. Sad but true, yep. Sad but true. Yeah, because so, their, their normal life is, is, is not what they're portraying on social pe media. People, yeah. people don't take pictures 
of something for the sake of having a picture on their phone, they go, I need to take a picture of this because that'll look good on Instagram. Yeah. It's not about having that photograph of themselves. We I do it all the time. We, I just took a picture of a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're the worst for it. I know. Um, <laughs> Non-taken. Non-taken. We've got, you know, we've got artwork by Manchester artist Dave O'Howarth. We've got an infinity room in the girls' toilets where the whole entire girls' toilets is made of mirror. Is it? Yeah, you've not seen it yet. I'll look at that. I'll have a look. Uh, you know, we've got live music five nights a week. We've got DJ seven nights a week. We've got cool chairs. We've got cool booze. We've got, you know, different elements. We've got a snug area. We've got a VIP area. We've got a dance floor. We've got a 3D looking tiled floor. We've got, you it's know. It's very hard to look at that floor. It's, it's, it's like, it's like Alice, Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Or yeah, yeah. And, and it's an environment where you feel safe. It's very female friendly. We've got female door staff. We've got, you know, um, We've got makeup artists in the toilets on Friday and Saturday to give girls well, touch-ups. That's, that's cool. Yeah, we just we've gone out there and really figured out what the Manchester public want, and what they want is content, good drinks, comfy seats, a nice environment, good music, and good music. Let's have a chat about the music. The music yeah. is so, very important, I think, isn't it? How how uh, how's it gonna how's it gonna work? So we're gonna have seven nights a week entertainment. Um, that's not all live. So Monday and Tuesdays are, are going to be DJ-led evenings. So Monday is going to be a Motown night, Motown-led, old school based. You know, you come out on a Monday, it's not necessarily the busiest night, but I'd, I'd, if I'm going on date night on a Monday, I'm sitting in here, I'm having a cocktail, I'm listening to old school jams. You can't really get much better than that on mm. a Monday. Tuesday is what we call Shazam night. So one of my good friends, Will Maiden, who's a fantastic DJ in Manchester. Best DJ in the world. Amazing. Yeah. You love him, don't yeah, you? Yeah, he's set here you, on you the opening night. You know a bit about night. DJing, don't you? Tiny bit. Yeah. I know how to press the sync button. But we watched him here <laughs> on the opening night, and some of the songs you're like, how's he even Where's he pulled that one from? I, we, were shaz- we were Shazamming on yeah. the opening night. <laughs> I was going, is, is that the right one? And yeah, he was going, He did no, Prince into no. Michael Jackson, yeah, Michael yeah. Jackson into, so into cool. SOS band. He, was just like, he played uh, George Benson. George Benson. He's a good lad. He's a great DJ. Great DJ good friend of mine um, so he's now we've given him Tuesday nights to basically run wild with mm. forgotten bangers unknown bangers <laughs> b-sides of Stevie Wonder albums you've never yes. heard of yes. because you sit down and you go oh my god this, he, he's, doing he's doing vinyl he's doing vinyl as well yeah record players coming so out and everything Tuesday night what you're doing you're going out listening to new music you know there's nothing better than date night in Manchester there's nothing better than date night you know you go out mm. the missus you go out the missus date night cocktail nibble <laughs> Whatever you know, it's yep. um, for those who can't see us. Andy's just raised his eyebrow at date <laughs> night, but I don't know what that means. Got but kids, it's still funny. Get out of the house that often. Yeah. Oh, you, you and your missus, seriously. Date night's normally in the office <laughs> on a Tuesday afternoon, <laughs> which is fun. Yeah, um, and then Wednesdays are an acoustic night, so we've got um, a lineup of about five or six different singers that are going to do rotation every week. Little three piece, little four pieces. Um, Thursdays is is going to be a night with so then that artist or the artist in Manchester can come and do covers and their own songs and not it's not massively focused on original music but it's it's focused on you come here to watch D-Mac you come here to watch Tom Barber Redmore you come here to watch Gav or you know whoever that may be straight in there Gav thanks man um, and then Friday's, I thought you forgot me actually yeah no, and never Fridays and Saturdays we have built an in-house band called the Sublime Sevens yes yes, yes you have so we are We've basically built this party, Bruno Mars-esque show band that every Friday, Saturday night from 8 o'clock, they come out and blow your socks off. You, why don't you talk about how, it, how well, that... that? That's what I really enjoyed because obviously being in the entertainment industry, I see quite a lot of bands and all you get, like 15 minutes before a band comes on stage, it's one, two, one, two, <laughs> and it's all this sound checking and nonsense and you see the boys on stage and they're all a bit uncomfortable because you're watching them. Here, the other night, it was just the DJ was playing. Next minute, the DJ just stops, 
a band starts and to play. And there was actually a bit of silence, which yeah. was, oh, what's, what's going and on? The, the curtains. <laughs> the they curtains started open. playing behind the curtain. Yeah. And the detail is. was cool. <laughs> it's detail. It's the detail. detail that got me was the speed that the curtains opened. As sad as that sounds, it didn't just do like a, a gush. It was dead slow. Dean Mack's face there, which was beaming. It, the band sounded so tight, so amazing. The groove that they played, they got this little kind of uh, intro, song. intro song. This might be in my awesome. head, but, but it felt like there was, there was a stab just as the curtain finished. Yeah, it is. Is, well, is it? Is it? <laughs> <Yes>. Probably, yeah. <laughs> it's totally, that's what's in my head and it actually happened, right? That's brilliant. It just felt special. It looked special. It sounded amazing. And it was it just, such an amazing it, it was perfect. spectacle. It was we, perfect. Me and Andy were stood there and Andy just turned to me and just went, cool as yeah it was it was awesome mate it was Thank so you. awesome and that takes a lot of thinking that to do what you do i know it's just a band on stage and the curtain opens but to to, to line up the band even the backing singers behind you rather than right at the back in the corner and all those little tiny details and mm. your little winks and smiles and a little spin <laughs> you do and i'd imagine when you spin around and you're looking at the band no one can see your face about your like, that's all them going yeah. oh my god yeah yeah Awesome, mate. What a great performance. Thank you very much. It's, you know, I'm very, very fortunate and I have to, you know, have to shout out to Scott and Alan for giving me this opportunity and getting me involved. But I've built my dream stage. I've built my dream stage. I've, I've bought my dream PA. I've built my dream band. Mm. And I get to do, I get to itch my scratch. And I think that should probably be the title of the, I think the so. podcast. Scratch, it's changing it's the Dean Mack itching his scratch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't mind. I don't mind. It's, you know, it's, I've, I've, what I love to do is entertain and perform and if I can do that on my own stage with my friends around me and great colleagues the dream I can the die actual dream. so just before we move on it's, uh, it's 186 where are you? we are on Deansgate at 186 on Deansgate yeah. in Manchester mm-hmm. underneath Hawksmoor um, just off Peter Street where Schloss and Revs de Cooper is um, but if anyone wants to come and check it out then Cool. And you walk, you walk through a barbers to get to it. You walk through a barbers, so don't yeah. feel like you're lost. Just it's a good place to be. It really cool. is a nice place to be. Good no, it's great. But also, if you do want to trim as well, <laughs> get on the Booksy app. Well, I had mine done message yesterday. Scott. Never thought. Go and have a go and have a trim because you know we're all fully functioning barbers from seven a.m. to seven p.m. every day. Amazing. Now on this podcast, we we ask our guests to pick three songs. Now we did this are we ourselves doing that first. Or are we doing the? Well, we'll do the other thing first. But I'm just saying that when we picked our music, mine's changed already. Yeah, four songs. <laughs> So this must have been for you a nightmare because I know it was a nightmare for you. I to took two three. days to yeah. do it. I, I couldn't do it. Ten seconds. No, really? I took, oh, did it honestly. I, so I honestly took. Yeah, it's probably because you're so busy and you were like, yeah, whatever. But <laughs> I, 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 it took me two days. Andy was mo- when I did it. Andy was moaning at me, going, "Dude, where, where's your songs?" I was going, "Well, I've got three, but yeah. I'm not sure about the next." But one. They, they're different now, aren't they? But yeah. you've, you've changed your mind. I have like a little pool of just like my itches that I scratch. You know, it's also <laughs> You need to have a shower, by I the way. Need some cream. Need some cream. <laughs> right, before we do the music, we've got two little questions here from other people who aren't here. They've okay. recorded questions for us. That's adorable. Uh, the first one, well, let's, let's just play it. Hello, guys. How are you doing? Thank you very much for having me on the podcast to ask Dean Mack a question. This is the other Dean, Dean Fagan, in case you didn't know. Sorry, my voice has gone a little bit because I've had a poor sore throat over the last couple of days. So oh. it's finally gone to that lovely, rusty, velvety stage. But here's my question, Dean. Um, if you could have a dinner with any musical artist, either alive or not alive, who would it be? Good question, Dean Good Fagan. Good question. Wow. Dean is um, 
Dean's a very, very good friend of mine, fantastic DJ. Um, yeah, I believe way. so. We yeah. are going to Ireland together next year to uh, with a, on a random gig. Anyway, thanks, Dean, <laughs> for getting involved, mate. And for those who don't know, Dean Fagan was in Emmerdale. Uh, no, Coronation Cornish. Street. Wow. It? Let's just go back 10 seconds and do that again. He'll be so <laughs> offended you just said that. Sorry, Dean. Should we cut it and start again? <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, oh, yeah, Dean, we on Britain's Got Talent? Yeah, no, I was on The Voice. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, he's, uh, no, he's on Coronation Street. Yes. Um, so his question was, who, singer. who would no, you have at dinner? Phenomenal actor. He's a cool guy, actually. He's been at a few of our gigs. Yeah, That's yeah. how I know him. Ah, right, okay. Yeah. Good guy. Good looking as well, Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's a shame, that, isn't it? Yeah, he's got a kid Annoying. Now, so. I know. Go on. You know my, the answer to this question. I would go for I Justin Timberlake. No, no, I would Michael say Michael Jackson. Jackson. Michael yeah. Jackson. We need to get to know each other better, Andy. Yeah, that sorry, was a that was my second guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, my dinner date for me would be like backstage, grab a sandwich with Michael Jackson, like before Madison Square Gardens or Gardens, Gardens, Gardens or whatever. You know, just like in his dressing room while he's running around, just sat having a sandwich, and you know he's like getting ready, warming up, and just asking mm. him questions and just watching that. Would you not want to be having like a, a sit down in a, like a private dining area, no one else around, no kids around? Who's going to go there with that? that. <laughs> oh, Sorry to the Michael Jackson estate. Um, I yes, I would, but I kind of. Well, you had his, his, his attention where you could go. How did you? Do you know what what annoys me when you see Michael Jackson documentaries? They don't ask him about his songwriting. They ask him about his dancing, his singing, and, and, and yeah. whatever. Neverland, not asked. Tell, show yeah. me, tell me how you wrote Billie Jean, or tell me how yeah. you wrote Baby Be Mine. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think you get a lot of that from the This Is It movie. Like, you see him getting involved. I think for me, though, I just, I think he was such a creative genius. I would have liked to have seen him in that element. So maybe see him in the studio, but studios are a long process. I would have liked to have seen how his nerves kicked in, how, you know, like what his routine is before, before going on stage. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Good thought. Okay, we, yeah. we have another question from another guest. Let's just play this for you as well. Hello, Gavin, Andy, Dean, and everyone tuning in. My name's Elliot. I'm the wee little ginger boy who plays guitar next to Dean at all the events that you see him at. So I've got a question for you, Dean. As someone who plays such a massive part in helping couples achieve their dream weddings, we would all like to know, what would your dream wedding be? We'll make sure you uh, pick the right best man, yeah? <clears throat> oh. So yeah, love to you all. Bat. Oh, 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 what a, legend, a guy. What a guy. He's Jesus. a legend. I think he, I think he assumed that, that this podcast was going to be wedding related, which is why he's asked wow. the wedding. <laughs> okay. So the um, dream wedding, what, what does he mean? Does he mean the lineup? Does he mean where the dream wedding would be? Well, I've already had this planned out for years. Oh. Okay, oh, interesting. Okay. And I think because because we, I have sang at so many weddings and you know across the globe with you know budgets from fifty quid to five hundred grand, I've seen everything. Mm. And I think it was the same for a bar when we set the bar up. We'd we'd seen really bad glassware. We'd seen really bad beer pumps. We'd seen really <laughs> bad music. Do you know what I mean? So you've seen and you've seen amazing music. Like if you go to the Ned in London, if you ever in London go to the Ned, it's this like. Um, Converted bank with a hotel. It's the best bar in London. It's sexy. It's like Wolf of Wall Street. It's unbelievable. But they do everything perfectly. Right. So for me, I've done weddings. I've sat in weddings. I've been waiting for gigs. I've been waiting for the first dance to end. I've been waiting for the bride to come down the aisle before I sing. And I've done it all. For me, and I always say this to every single couple that I ever do a wedding for, it's all about you. Don't care about your next auntie's boyfriend who's coming in what they want to eat or what they're going to think 
is happening. You do what you want to do on your day. Yep. So for me, I won't bore you. Satellite Como in Italy. <laughs> Standard. <laughs> Satellite Como, 50 guests max. Yep. The ceremony's in the round. Yep. So everyone is equal because yep. there's nothing worse than feeling on the, on the back row. I think if you the people that, that I want in my wedding that are all equal to me, in the round, ceremony happens. Rotating first, stage. Nope. Nope. Too too far, Andy. <laughs> ceremony. The first dance happens then straight away. After this, after the ceremony. Sa- straight after the ceremony. Yeah. Speeches straight there and then. So you're all sat there with a glass of champagne for a good hour. Ceremony, speeches, first dance, and then. Big Italian buffet, loads of wine, Ooh. cute band in the corner, bit of a DJ, and just like have a great little party with all my friends and family that it's I love. It's a very interesting concept. The first dance after the ceremonies is amazing. Yeah, you're interested actually because you got married way before you did weddings. Oh, yeah. So you, your wedding would be totally different now. I'm my guessing. wedding would be, uh, yeah, the, the video you guy. Can't my DJ your own wedding though. Well, they? that's true. Yeah, but the the, uh, the uh, video guy put the camera in the corner <laughs> we're he, doing the Russian army video he hit, thing. he hit record and he sat there reading a book for eight hours so there's eight no hours of my missus aunties all going up to the camera dancing and uh, the dates in the corner and the little fuzzy line goes through it for me 30 seconds it's just horrendous brilliant but yeah if I did it again there'd be, oh, there'd be drones there'd be fire there'd be <laughs> what, Italian like Como that's, that's, 50 that's, people it just sounds it? It it's, it, it's no my then and as you said the guests the people do worry about the guest list and who they've got to make happy and m- my mum's auntie needs to be happy and my great granddad's uncle and all and again it just should be about the bride and I groom. think it's interesting that uh, Dean having he's sang at weddings and we obviously yep. work around weddings Don't all the time uh, one or two and um, the, what you glean from it is let's get all the hassle bit out of the way in one go done yeah yeah so let's get the speeches yeah, out of the way yeah. with the ceremony that's done the first dance that's done then then all i have to do then is just get drunk and enjoy myself enjoy. yeah I, do, do you cool. know what annoys me i've noticed this at a lot of weddings it seems to come back this trend where the best man starts doing his speech they've got they've got this little time card um what do they call it like a you've know, you got a time how long the best man's oh, speech is. Oh, and then they have bets. They have bets. So nobody's listening to the speech. Everyone's just looking at the phone on the clock, the timer, and they don't even listen to the speech half the time. That. Yeah, mm. I it's, hate it's it. things like the cake. For me personally, you spend 800 quid on a, on a, on a cake. Easily, To yeah. cut it. Yeah, nobody eats it. And no one really no one eats, eats it. it. No one eats it. And you have a dessert as well. That's the other thing. You, you spent a load on a cake. And you, 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 you're paying for a dessert as well. Like, you're paying 800 quid for a cake, and then you go, oh, I really want that band, but I can't afford it. Yeah. And What's the most important part about when yeah. there's ceremony in the band? Like, oh, we're leaving the gig DJ. at two o'clock in the morning. There's a table in the corner full okay. of cake wrapped yeah. in yeah. rapkins and rock on it. Anyway, let's put anyway. the wedding bit to, yeah. to bed. Yeah. Next, okay. music. So let's do, um, as we always do on this podcast, regardless of who we, we interview, we always like to ask people um, about the music taste because it tells something about them. Absolutely. Um, so Dean has picked four <laughs> songs. Four great songs, yes. You want to tell us about your first one, why, why you've picked it? So um, this artist is very, very unknown. He's from Texas in America, um, and he is just one of the most phenomenal vocalists on the planet. He was brought up in gospel and church and for years and years and years, and he's just come out with these unbelievable songs. And he's pretty big in America, but no one knows him in, in, in the UK apart from musicians. And this song is just so beautifully written like i said i'm not i'm not a musician by trade i'm not i'm a singer by trade but i'm not a musician by trade there's so a difference there's i always difference. feel like absolutely yeah. um so I, you know i can't say anything about the harmonical chord progression yeah. whatever but it's just a beautiful song and and the actual the actual lyrics in it are just you know 
it's just a beautiful song. I could, if you sit and lay in bed and put your headphones on and listen to it, it just opens and expands into this like cloud of music. Wow, let's let's have a listen. I can only play uh, 18 seconds for copyright ARS. reasons. Ah. Yeah, 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 sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Of course, no. He's fine. got the perfect pop voice, oh. hasn't he? It's a beautiful song. Go, though, if yeah, if you're listening, like go and check Alan Stone out. There's loads of party stuff, there's loads of chill stuff, there's loads of love and R&B stuff. It's unbelievable. Mm, cool. I'm getting on that one. I like home, that. Yeah. I'm getting on that when I get home, yeah. So uh, your next one, mate. My, so my next one is an absolute classic. Um, it's one of the best love songs ever written. It's a truly, truly emotional song. Everyone always just thinks that it's just a bit of a pop song and people just sing it, you know, at karaoke. But actually, if you listen to the, the, the lyrics, it's all about, you know, true heartache of love and how love is, is goes from the peaks to the troughs of, of emotion. And it's just a beautiful song. And it's one of my favorite songs to sing. The difficulties a of a relationship as well. Yeah. What would I do without your smart mouth? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Um, and it's just, it, it's such an emotional song that every time, it's like a full on story from start to finish. It's just a beautiful you, song. You sang this last week on the opening night mm -hmm. and you did sing it with a lot of passion. You can see that the, the, the clenched fist and going for it. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, nice to see uh, an entertainer singer doing that. So it's John Legend, Ordinary People. Oh no, I've got this the wrong song. Movie, no, no fairy tale conclusion, y'all. It gets more confusing every day. I'm talking about all of them. Sometimes it's heaven sent, then we head back to hell again. We kiss, then we make up on the way. It's a great tune, that. That's cool, isn't it? Mm. Just a beautiful song. John Legend. Ordinary and an absolute people. classic. You know, yep. it's, it was probably, probably came out 20 years ago, but it's just, it's still played every day. And you enjoy singing it as well? Oh my God, I love it. Is that in every set you do, or is it one of those songs? At home, in a shower, <laughs> suits, It suits your voice, actually. Yeah, yep. absolutely. The tone and, and what I've, have you. I've developed my voice around that song. Yeah, yeah, I get that. that makes sense to me, actually. Cool. Your, your next choice of music is one of my favourite songs as well. I love playing this at gigs because it, it just gets everybody in the mood. Beautiful song. It's hands down the best party tune yeah. of the current day. You know, if you take out Motown, take out classic Motown bangers, this song will guarantee party vibe. It's got audience participation in it. It's sexy. Well, we've picked that bit for you. Yeah, fantastic. Do you sing this at all? Do you know what? It's You just shocked me there because I'm... You've just said it's one of the best. It always gets the crowd going, and I've not purposely chosen it because I was wondering whether it would work. Right. Um, we do an up-tempo version of it, though. We make it. Oh, there's going to say. Funky version okay. Right. That's cool. Let's uh, let's have a blast of it. Sing with me. They go. It feels like something's heating up. Can I leave with you? Right. And then the ladies go. I don't know what I'm thinking about. Really leaving with you. So do people always respond to that bit? Like oh well, no, no, they don't. But what I do is make them. If they don't do it the first time, I go. That was absolutely dreadful. On what are you doing? You're either eating or you're just bored. And then they laugh and then they get involved a little bit. So, yeah. Or I just don't do that bit if it's the song. You know, I'll, I'll slow it down and make it a bit more of a chill version. But you know, it, it's it's produced by Pharrell. It's one of the best producers in the world. It's the the chord progression is is you know very intricate. But it's just a banger. It's just a Great all song. about falling in love with a girl who's mm. unbelievably beautiful. Awesome, Justin Timberlake and uh, Senorita. Yes. Uh, your final choice. So this is also a really really unknown song. This actually this will surprise both of you. Um, this song was written by Sam Smith and Nile Rodgers. No way. Ah. Now then. 
So you'll see, you'll, you'll, if you know who Nile Rogers is, you'll hear it in the guitar as soon as we play it. I've got the kind of uh, live lounge version, so I'm not sure what we're going to hear, but we'll, we'll give it a blast. It's got such a distinctive a voice, voice, hasn't it? Oh. I can see the kind of take your There's no confusion in your Sam Smith and Together, and that's with Nile Rogers as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's so Nile Rogers features on it as the guitarist and as the producer. But if someone said to me, you have three minutes to live, you want to listen to one song, what would it be? It'd be that. Ooh, really? Wow. Yeah. That's and cool. that's a good question maybe for your next podcast. That, that is a great question. One song before you die, what would no, it be? I don't ever ask me that question because I'll, I'll, I'll... Take you an hour. Yeah, You'd be I, dead then, wouldn't you? No, I wouldn't be but able if to do you, it. If I, if I made you, you've got, three, you've got three minutes, pick a song now. Purple Rain. Okay, well, there you go. Boom. I couldn't. Go on, Andy. Couldn't. Uh, couldn't. Couldn't do it. Go on, pick a song. Pick a song. You've got three minutes to live. I'm going to shoot you. Oh. <laughs> um, SOS band, The Finest. Ooh, I don't know that one. Do you know? No, I'll have to go on Google. It's been one. sampled recently and it's in the charts. Well, it's a, no, that's a, I mean, Sam Smith, I've heard people, I don't know whether he's Marmite with his voice. I, as a singer, I love his voice. Mm. But I think some people don't like it, which I find I think staggering. They find it hard to understand his lyrics sometimes because the way he kind of sings through his nose, doesn't he, almost? And it's hard to... It's just a lot of falsetto, but yeah. it's, it's such a hard... I think you, as a singer, you appreciate that, don't it's you? just a great yeah. singer. Yeah, he's also just a great singer. Mm. Very well technically trained. Mm. Cool. Well, Dean, listen, thanks very much for your time today. I know it's precious because there's a whole world of, of stuff going on <laughs> behind the scenes. There's about 50 people behind us, uh, uh, joiners, uh, all sorts. So we wish you all the very best. Do you want to give a, a quick plug to the um, the bell again? Yeah, listen, lads, though, thank you for today. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And this is a fantastic podcast. So keep going and keep get them episodes going because I will definitely be listening. Thank you. Um, oh, thank you. This, this is, is Jasper out of my band. This is his music. Is that actually? Yeah, he playing every instrument. Every instrument. Casual. So 186, it's on Deansgate. It's below Hawksmoor. It's the only bar in Manchester that you need to be coming to. Uh, it's a barbershop at the front of it, and you come down underneath into this amazing space. Live music is the key to this venue, and uh, the details are amazing, and you need to be here. So, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening. Gav's taking a picture of me as I'm talking. Good timing. There's a bloke walking past you. Oh, is there? <laughs> With a box. <laughs> I have a plank <laughs> with a towel heater that <laughs> uh, heats towels for when you have a shave. Thanks very much, Dean. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it.